Hello and welcome back to Making Ends Meet, the podcast where we talk all things parenting. I'm your host, Samantha, and today I am joined by Nicole Shepard. She is the Parenting Program Director for Greenville First Steps. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm so glad to be here. And again, my disclaimer, this podcast is meant to give options and information to parents to help make the most informed decisions they can. There is no world where I can give information that works for every family. So please, as you are listening to this, take what resonates with you and leave the rest. And with that being said, let's get into it. Talk to me about what is Greenville First Steps and what is your job within that? Absolutely, thank you for asking that question. Greenville First Steps, Samantha, is a nonprofit organization where uh, every county in South Carolina has a First Steps office. The Greenville office has been in existence since 1999 and we work publicly with families in various programs including Dolly Parton Imagination Library, the Family Connects program, and our public Triple P or Positive Parenting program. The role and goal of all First Steps offices is to reach families who have a zero to five-year-old or in the Positive Parenting program a zero to 12-year-old and support families publicly to get children ready for school. So First Steps offices is about school readiness preparation. And that Triple P, the Positive Parenting Program, is how I ended up getting in contact with Nicole um, because it just, it sounded like a lot of the stuff that I wanted to talk about on this podcast, so I shot an email and here we are. Uh, But I would love to learn more about what is positive parenting? Positive parenting is really about intentional parenting. It's about showing up for your kids. And when we talk about intentional parenting, Samantha, we want caregivers and parents to be mindful of how they raise their children. Another thing kids have shared with me over the years is oftentimes they notice they may not get the attention or time they want from their parent or caregiver in a positive way when they do something they're supposed to be doing. So it's not pointed out, Mm -hmm. but the negative is pointed out. So if the negative is pointed out more, then oftentimes children will go with that to get said attention. So that attention-seeking behaviors is a really big, almost like a a buzzword um, that I hear a lot when attention is something that kids need to grow and develop in a healthy, normal way, right? Um, And I had a mentor once that I absolutely i'm i'm so so grateful for her and she just always drilled it into my head it's not attention seeking behaviors it's connection seeking your kid doesn't want just attention absolutely they just want to feel cared about and seen and loved by you and then every time a kid starts to get under my skin with those behaviors i remember that and i just oh it, it hurts but but there's so much truth to that yeah 
There really is. That's a wonderful point. And it could be, I don't know how to get the attention in any other way. Maybe my parent notices the negative behavior, so it's easier for me to show out to get the attention I, I may want in another way. You know, parenting, parenting is not a one-size-fits-all model. And even children in the same home, you parent very differently. And again, a lot of trial and error. But when you know better, you can do better. I use that phrase a lot. So when you have the choice and the tools to do better, what you what you choose to do with that information is definitely up to the parent or caregiver. Um, what I love about evidence-based programs like Triple P, it's really trying to destigmatize parenting support because parents can be nervous and fearful to reach out for support, um, and it can be about not wanting to be told how to parent. So I always make the point, this is a very non-judgmental approach. We're just there to support them with tools. I had a mentor once as well. And I like the fact that you talked about that. And I remember working directly with children and families and the, the mentor I was working with connected so well, it was a male mentor, connected so well with the families of adolescents and older elementary age children that I remember thinking this is so much more about connection. This is more than the information I can provide to them, but the way we connect with them through our Triple P team here in Greenville, the way, even the way I connect with our partners and caregivers directly ourselves, that is where we form the bonds and the trusting relationships to be able to reach out to the community at the size of Greenville for support. So a big issue for so many parents is shutdown behaviors, tantruming, crying, not responding, not responding the way that you would like them to. Talk to me about how parents can use a positive parenting approach for that. That's oftentimes brought up in many workshops. I have heard that many times, and that is very frustrating for parents. And that can build, and that can build into a negative response that the parent didn't intend. However, change doesn't happen overnight. So some concrete examples I may give the, that the parent or caregiver can make time to take that parent time out. And if the child is put in quiet time, something Triple P suggests versus time out might come later, the parent is entitled to take a time out as well. Let's say your child is completely safe, they're taken care of, you can see them from the other room, and you get to go breathe yourself. It sounds so much easier said than done, but if this is a continued practice over a few weeks, then you'll come back to a different response, maybe when you've both calmed down. If the child is in, uh, you know, you have a four-year-old uh, who often doesn't tantrum, typically only toddlers tantrum. So a kindergarten age child or school age child is not considered a tantrum. It's usually for a younger child. But let's say you do have a toddler tantruming and you are in the heat of that and you know your response is not going to be positive. Uh, then a quiet time, usually a minute for every year of the child's life, is suggestible suggested so a two-year-old would get a two-minute timeout they're walked to that area 
where there are no distractions and then given the time to quiet down. Another, another mantra that sits in my head pretty regularly is that you cannot regulate others if you cannot regulate yourself. So true. I've had a lot of instances where I've had to go back to a kid and go, mm, I feel like I maybe didn't handle that the best yeah. because I was mad. Parents are their child's first teacher, and children live what they learn, and children learn what they live. And also, if you have never been intentional about forming your parenting practices, know that your parenting practices come from the way that you were raised. Absolutely. And that can be refocused, Samantha, on the parent focusing differently on their own responses, kind of cultivating that one-on-one -on -one time together once again, uh, using encouragement versus rewards, and saying yes to appropriate consequences and following through on them because consistency is key. And we know that because children thrive on routine, so they're going to thrive on consistent consequences. Can I ask you what are some appropriate consequences that parents can use? Absolutely, great question. So there's a difference between logical and natural consequences. A natural consequence of a child refusing to go to school may mean certain things happen at the school or district level eventually if there is an attendance or truancy violation that is a natural consequence of the law saying my child has to go to school the child refuses the parents also sometimes held responsible but in in the response to the child it could be this is what's going to happen this is what the consequences will be. That is a natural consequence of the law that all the child has to do is go to school. That's their only job typically until the age of 18 is they have to go to school. A logical consequence is a little different. It takes the work of the parent or caregiver and some effort and thought behind how I'm going to follow through with this right away and not wait because I will forget, I will get tired, the child will forget, it won't be enforced. So I have to enforce a logical consequence right away, cons calmly, consistently, and fairly. That may mean my third grader is eight years old and they have a cell phone or they have a tablet that they're allowed to be on for a certain amount of time before bed and that is taken away as a consequence. It is kept locked up for however long a period of time and they are not given that device back until these things change. I think a lot of children, um, they can be very, uh, very verbal. Some are very uh, visual and they might want to see that consequence written on the refrigerator, on a, on a piece of paper, written in some sort of and very informal contract that's saying, this has been taken away for a shortened period of time. This is the kind of behaviors we'd like to see changed. And the parent really concretely working through what they'd like to see changed with that child. So just to clarify, a natural consequence is a consequence that you don't really have to do anything for. It just sort of happens, right? right. You forget your jacket. It's cold outside. The natural consequence is you're going to be cold. I don't put gas in my car one day. Natural consequence. I could break down on the side of the road. 
yeah. a logical consequence is a little bit more thought out and pretty directly related to the behavior that the kid did. Discipline should meet the behavior. Some call that the punishment should meet the crime, but I call it discipline versus punishment, which is really where we go with positive parenting. Yeah. It's discipline is about teaching, guiding or leading children. Punishment is usually a harsh yelling, hitting, putting them down, insulting them, and so on. So that's why I often say the discipline should meet the crime or the behavior of the child. Yeah. Yeah, I like that word switch. I think there's a there's a, a power dynamic shift that happens right. between those two words too. Yeah. Uh, so a logical consequence would be like you trash your room. Well, now you gotta clean it up. And don't forget to specifically share with your kids how you want them to clean it, because I would push it all under the bed if I was told to clean my room. <laughs> so specifics work really well with kids, parents. That is. I'd like you to put all your toys back in the toolbox and supervise when you're doing it with them the first time and helping them out and supporting them through that because they will take advantage of, you didn't tell me how to clean my room, mom. Kids are so smart and so resourceful and they have a lot of good things to share. And I had a super, super triple P parent who's been through so many of our services here in Greenville share with us that uh, children really do have a voice and have a lot of good things to share. And one thing she learned through abuse and neglect and domestic violence in her four children and raising them and doing the absolute best that she can right now is that children really do have a voice and they do have a lot of good things to share. Uh, I often say a logical or even natural consequence can be a family meeting. A family meeting can be, I'm going to start meeting with my family once a week or starting out slower once a month. We're going to sit down and have dinner together with no distractions or devices, or we're going to go take a walk and we're just going to reconnect. And sometimes even with families who are single parent families or have more than one child separately spending time, even five minutes a day with each child individually makes a huge difference it did and i had two sisters it meant a lot when i was growing up yeah and i'm hearing what you're saying too of like it all comes back to connection it all comes back to that quality time it all comes back to how are you consistently building relationship and attachment um for our listeners if you don't know anything about uh attachment styles and building attachment in your children that is absolutely something to look into i would really love to do an entire podcast episode just on attachment-based thinking. But for that period of time that you are spending one-on-one with your child, what should that look like? That should look like our phones and our devices are put down. We are giving them our undivided attention even for five or ten minutes. We are excited about what they are attempting to show us. If it was a picture, if they need to review their homework, if they have something on the internet they wanted to show you because they're an older child and they're just connecting with you in some way, or if you're out and about in public and you're going to see Christmas lights or you're going out to dinner, it is connecting with them with uh, getting on their level, oftentimes bending down to the child's size and getting down on the floor with them for a young child. An older child, they like having conversations in the car because they can't see you. So you'll have amazing conversations with your older, maybe elementary age, older adolescent children in the car. 
um, that's what that can look like because parents really come to Triple P and any parenting support wanting really concrete specific ideas about the behaviors whether positive or negative about their children so overall it's so much easier for us to share that information when a parent comes forward for parenting support and like I said contacting me is the way to do that because every family is so specifically different in their approach and the way they parent mm -hmm. yeah and n no two kids are going to be the same right like you're going right. to have kids where in the car you're like how was your day and they blah 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 blah, blah right the whole thing and they're going to be so good fine <laughs> shut up mom i don't want to talk about it right now you know fine so right so how do you get anything out of them so um i you know utilize your village so what i mean by that is make sure your village is your healthy support system who that what might that may look like is your faith community it may be your schools i always encourage parents to get involved with their child's school and that might mean I'm on backpack or I'm on seesaw and I know what the assignments are that day. And my child has a presentation or a book report. And I might ask them when they get in the car, tell me how your presentation went. Um, so you have something specific. So you're really keeping up with what's going on with your child. And you're not just asking them, how was your day? But tell me something good that happened to you today. I really like that. Um, and again, focusing on the positive, it's not always going to be positive, but working with them and talking through them and just recognizing their feelings and not trying to fix it for them if they had a bad day. Even our kids, just like adults, sometimes people just want to be heard mm -hmm. with no response. And tell me what you think of this. Please tell me if you disagree, but there is a lot to be said about being very careful that not every conversation you have, especially with your teenager, turns into like a lecture or a life lesson. Not every moment needs to be a teachable moment. Thank you for saying that. I am a fixer and I like <laughs> to be a resolver. And I'm so glad that you said that. And that's really bringing it back to the basics again, Samantha, that People just want to be heard. We live in a really hectic, fast-paced society where we're all so busy, even our kids, so many activities and so many stressors we didn't have when I was a child, maybe even when you were a child. And sometimes people just need something, somebody to bounce something off of, even, even elementary school-age kids. And we're all human. Um, so I think it's very important to sometimes to stop and listen it's that simple mm -hmm. i love what you said about having specific questions for your kids because i think a lot of times they really respond to that if you have a kid that doesn't respond to that too i just remember i had this one family that i was working with for a while and this kid would go into the car with mom and mom would try to have these conversations with her she'd be like how was your day fine what did you do? I don't know. What was fun about today? I don't remember. And in talking with the child, and she was a little bit older, she was like 16, 17 years old. She said, well, this is the first time all day that I don't have to be talking to somebody and I don't have to be doing something. I just spent eight hours in school. It's my first time that I don't have to be on. Mm -hmm. 
And when I get into the car and she's asking me all these questions, I feel interrogated. That was the word she used. And it just, it stuck with me really hard. So being able to have those conversations with your kid, if they're old enough to be able to have that back and forth a little bit of like, what can I do to make you feel loved? I love that. And that is a great opportunity to share with your child or children a an activity, perhaps. So the moment to connect with her was not in the car because she had been on all day. So that might be a child or adolescent, rather, who is connected with an activity. Hey, Sally, do you feel like going and riding to the mall with me? I have to go pick something up. Something that they connect and can do together, an activity that they both enjoy, that she might open up a little bit more in a different way outside of the car conversation. And it could just be a matter of timing. She's just tired and she needs to connect with her at a different time of the day. Um, and you got to choose your battle. A great, great, great tool for working with tired or angsty teens. Ask them if you can listen to their music with them. Say, you can put the boundaries, right? Like, I don't want cuss words. I don't want, like, any explicit content. Outside of that, find, like, three songs in your playlist that you think I would like. I would love to hear them. Oh, my goodness. They will go crazy for that. I've seen the most crabby teenagers turn it around like that. Oh, you want to hear? Oh, I just got this new song from XYZ person. I think you're going to think it's so cool. And even if you hate it, you listen to that whole thing with a smile on your face. Love that. I love that. Oh, <laughs> I love that. It's great. I'm back in the, I, I, I remember that world. I'm back in, now I'm in a zero to five and zero to 12 year old world for families. So another example might mean for that for the zero to five year old age group is reading to your kids mm -hmm. and even up through kindergarten children connect so well with their parent or caregiver when a book is being read to them, which is why in triple P classes we offer every parent at least one free book for every child they have because the connection and that brain development in those first few years is a similar example. I'm going to connect with my child at night or during the day sometime, perhaps at nap time by reading to them mm -hmm. children absolutely thrive on literacy and reading so we're back in that world too and it's again it's about connection this is a good tired parent tip a thing that i have seen before too is getting a picture book for your youngins who cannot read yet and if you are just dead tired you go look at these pictures and, and make up a story for me and then you're still getting that connection mm -hmm. you're utilizing creativity you're letting your child take the lead and you don't have to sit there and read this book in silly voices and make it all exciting and engaging. I love that. <laughs> it's You taught me something. <laughs> That's so... That's that cool. makes me feel some type of way. That it does. That is so cool. <laughs> that is so cool. And also... Books are huge. Their stories Music's are always huge. hilarious. They're always great. I've never heard a bad one in my life. <laughs> Who hasn't been entertained by a two-year-old in their life? <laughs> right? I've done, I've done it with five or six year olds right. you know and they go i don't really feel like reading this book okay then just make up a story children are great oh so we talked about consequences what about some solid rewards that we can get kids praise is a great reward i like being praised that's my favorite love language words of affirmation uh praise for 
children who like things can be stickers, a chore chart, a sticker chart of some sort. It can be uh, something from the dollar store that doesn't have to cost a lot when they're, uh, the rules have been followed and so on. I guess I don't want parents or caregivers to think you have to buy things for your children to get positive behaviors from them. Oftentimes just the opposite because if it is in the form of praise or if it's in the form of a sticker or a book or just time spent alone with you, that can be so much more rewarding to them in the long run than it might be, oh, my mom got me this new iPhone, look at this, but she didn't follow through with any consequences because she just felt like I needed to have this phone because I begged her for it. Um, so keep that in mind when you're considering rewards and what those look like. And, you know, that can certainly be discussed and talked about a little bit more if you are able to come forward for additional Triple P support. And that is something that your Triple P practitioner can talk with you more about. So what you're saying is be very careful in this conversation about rewards and consequences because we don't want things to get transactional. That's kind of what I'm getting from that. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so you have worked a lot with families of all sorts of different struggles over the course of working with Triple P, and it sounds like over the course of working your entire career previous yeah. to Triple P, yeah. if you had to pick, what is the most important piece of advice you feel like you can give families listening to this podcast? What resonates with me most over my career and time lately is really children all they want from their caregiver or loving adult is quality time. I have seen that exact thing change families, the dynamic of families who were struggling, of families who have been a part of what they consider the system, families that have been through abuse, neglect, domestic violence, substance abuse, and what have you. I think it all goes back to our core values and going back to the basics. That is simply spending time with our kids may have fallen by the wayside, especially after the pandemic when everything changed and the world shifted. But that is really the most important thing that I can share over the years I've been doing this work, no matter the age of the child or children in the family. That is the one thing that stands out the most that families and children share with me. Time. Yeah. Okay, well, that is about our time. So thank you so much, Nicole, for being on this podcast. You had so many amazing things to say. Thank you so much for having me here. This was absolutely wonderful. And again, I will be linking all that Triple P information, including Nicole's contact information, if you would like to learn more. Please remember that there is an anonymous Google form that will also be linked below. You can ask questions on specific issues. 
wider range topics that you want covered in the podcast, the more information you give me, the more I am able to help. And also make sure to follow so you don't miss any other, so that you don't miss any podcast episodes. But with that, we'll catch you next time on Making Ends Meet. Thank you.